This is the Stand with Lynette podcast. You have episode 36, Becoming Strong and Capable with Bridgette Heller. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepard, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter-day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place. Together, let's stand. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to Stand with Lynette. If you're here for the first time, I'm so glad you're here. I appreciate all of you who show up to listen. Thank you so much for the ratings, for the reviews. Please keep those coming. If you haven't left a review yet or a rating and you like the show and you've learned anything from it or it has helped you at all, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That will help other people find the show and help me to be able to help the people who I can help. So thank you for, for that in advance and just for being here listening. I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest today, Brigitte Heller. I loved our conversation so much. I learned so much from Brigitte. She is just so fun and cute and I loved talking to her. I loved learning from her. She's had some experiences that have been very deeply hard that have caused her to doubt everything she knows, question her faith, wonder if it's even worth going on in life, and then coming up rising above those things because of the help of the Savior, Jesus Christ, and moving forward through doubt, through fear, through not knowing what's next, and all the things that are hard about life. Brigitte is a light. She is solid in her testimony of Jesus, and I cannot wait for you to hear how she has gotten to that point. So let's get to our conversation with Brigitte. Hello, hello, my friends. I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Brigitte Heller, who is here today to tell us her story of faith and how she has learned to stand with the Savior and stand firmly through the different experiences of her life. And I can't wait to hear what she has to say. So welcome, Brigitte. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited you're here. You have so many awesome things to share. And I would just like to hear, first of all, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. I'm a motivational speaker, so I get to do that for my every day, which is awesome. I have three kids and one of them's married. So I have older kids, which is wild to be on the other side of, of that journey, you know, you or coming so out on young. the other side of it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I have three kids. I've been married to my husband, Mike, for 21 years, and he gets talked a lot about on my podcast because he is so patient with me. I can relate to that. <laughs> and um, I don't know, two dogs. I love glitter. So if you know me, I'm always a little sparkly. <laughs> I love it. If you can't see her right now, if you're just listening to the audio, she's got sparkles on her sleeves and sparkles in her hair and sparkles in her ears. I love the sparkles. Yeah, <laughs> you are it, it very just sparkly. Is. It just, just comes is. out. <laughs> That's who you are. That's who you are. So you taught. You said you're a motivational speaker. What do mm -hmm. you like to speak about? So honestly, the Strong and Capable Foundation is I know who I am. I know where I'm going and I know how to get there. That is the foundation of the Strong and Capable. So I'm speaking a lot on emotional resilience, a lot on mental health, and really um, we have an epidemic of self-loathing happening in the world. And so I am determined to be a part of stopping that 
it's time to stop that. We don't need to live in cycles of shame and hurt anymore. And so I'm usually speaking on those subjects of how do we overcome this? How do we break these cycles and how do we live the life that we want to live that is full of purpose and meaning and joy? Yeah, that you're so right. We do have an epidemic. So how did you get into that field? Is there a personal experience that led you to want to speak and teach about this topic particularly? So you know what's funny about how you get into things is it's always little by little, line upon line, right? And um, I remember all growing up, I wanted to be a famous singer. I mean, I was gonna, but I always wanted to be like a backup singer or a one-hit wonder. I didn't need to be like Mariah Carey. I just wanted to put my thing out there, make an impact, and then like retreat. <laughs> yeah. So all my life, I mean, I was in choirs and taking music, but I have anxiety, really bad anxiety. And so it was always intense and stressful to be up there singing. And, you know, if you're in music, there's a lot to controlling that instrument and working through it. So I always thought I was going to be a singer. And then I remember in little Linden, Utah, at my elementary school, John, by the way, came like, oh gosh, probably almost 30 years ago now. And he spoke and he talked about our burdens and he, I don't know if you've ever heard his backpack analogy. Oh, that yeah. He gives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the famous backpack speech, I sat in a little elementary audience when he was first starting and listened to that I love and it. it changed my life because I would, here I was this introvert who is a people watcher and I'm watching all the other students react to him and how he was working with the audience. And I thought, oh, that, I want to do that. So I didn't know it at the time, but that was literally God like, Bridget, this is what you will be doing. <laughs> and it took me clear until probably, honestly, five years ago to realize that's really what I needed to be doing and starting the podcast and getting on stages and whatnot. Cause I was still stuck in, you know, I was, well, the, the journey, mm -hmm. the journey of it, signing up for the PTAs, running businesses, helping with different nonprofits and I didn't realize my strength of standing on the stage until just this last few years. So kind of interesting how so many little experiences led to like, here you go. It's time. Go. That's that's so cool. John, by the way. Yeah, we had that on on tape, on like cassette tape <laughs> <laughs> back in the day. The story of the backpack. I don't remember what it was called, but I listened to it so many times. I can hear it in my head as we speak. That's that, so funny. That he would he would make the noise when he put the rocks uh -huh, in the yes, yep, yes, uh -huh. yes. Yep. Oh, I love it that <laughs> that was what inspired you as an Who knew that he went around to elementary schools? I didn't know that. You got to start somewhere. I know. That's awesome. That is awesome. Okay, Bridget. So can you tell us a little bit about where your faith journey began? Were you born into the church? Did you find the church later? What did that look like for you? So I was born into the church, um, come from a long line of people in the church. My faith journey, though, I think has been interesting. And it's really, um, I've realized I need to share it these days because I was born into the church, but I had a lot of challenges, right? There was abuse in my childhood. There was a disabled sister, which always brings interesting challenges. There were seven of us. So there were a lot of kids, not always a lot of money. <laughs> and so a lot of the things that people leave their faith for today, I experienced almost all of them in abundance. Wow. Um, and in young women's, like my young women's, I was in a tiny, tiny town where there were hardly any members at all. And we had to drive 20 minutes just to go to church. 
And I remember my young women's leaders yelling at me because I would bring non-members from school and they hadn't, they didn't know about it. So they didn't have enough things to give away. And so they were annoyed that I had brought people to church. Oh no. My young women's president spread a rumor that I was pregnant. What? Yeah. So I've like had some really weird, weird experiences. And so my faith journey has always, always been ongoing, knowing that I went to church and had faith because my relationship with God was with God was most important above all else. And that was the one thing that I could count on and that I could know was like, it didn't matter what was happening at church or at school or at home. There was this relationship and this relationship kept me safe and kept me at peace when everything else was wild. Yeah, that is insane. Okay, I'm just trying to picture a young women's president (laughs) spreading a rumor like that. How old were you at that time? I was a sophomore and junior. This was my sophomore and junior year. It was so rough that I actually left. I didn't go to my senior year Um, in high school. I went down to UVU in Utah, and my senior year finished at the community college because at that time it was not UVU. I'm a little bit older, as we've already established. (laughs) So am I. You know, so I finished my senior year actually taking college classes because it was just such a rough environment that it was not healthy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So through all of this, you're trying to develop this relationship with Jesus Christ. You said that Mm -hmm. kept you grounded. Mm -hmm. How? Like, how do you do that in the middle of all that craziness and so many like crazy hard things going on in your life? How did you zone in on that relationship back in your youth? You know, I think it was because, well, I had this thing. I didn't want to be alone at church. So I decided I was going to convert all the cheerleaders to church. <laughs> so I'd like, keep, I'd keep a Book of Mormon in my backpack. And when I look back, I'm like, I'm such a nerd. But I was lonely, right? right. Like, I'm not going to be alone anymore. Um, and I just saw that they were going through such hard things that without God or Jesus as a foundation for them, they were constantly lost and they were trying. We do this thing when we're in chaos, when our spirit's in chaos, when our body's in chaos, we lash out. It's like almost like a fight or flight. We lash out and we're seeking for feedback of like, is this the thing? Is this the thing? Maybe I'll feel whole here. Maybe I'll be fixed here. And so in high school, that can look like boyfriends, that can look like drugs, that can look like um, being really extreme in sports, right? Like it's taking this thing and going all the way out and trying to see maybe this is my identity. Maybe this is where I find my home. And um, maybe this is where I find acceptance. And I saw so many friends do that, that I knew that wasn't for me, that I did not want to wonder who I slept with the night before. Like I did not want to wonder those things. And I had a few friends ask me, why are you happy? And kid you not, this answer is now the foundation of the company I have that I joked. I was like, well, I eat a lot of bananas. And then (laughs) I said, but the truth of it is I know who I am. I'm a daughter of God. I know where I'm going. Like long-term I have, God has laid out a beautiful vision and plan for me. And I know how to get there. I had steps of how I was going to get there. And having those three things gave me complete confidence that this is a hot mess, but I have a purpose. That's beautiful that you were able to figure that out at a young age. I think that some of us, it takes a little bit longer <laughs> to get to that place of, of acceptance. Well, to be fair, I didn't stay there. I totally lost myself like a hundred times after that. <laughs> okay. Like, All right. Anxiety, depression, postpartum, like multiple times. I actually had depression was pregnant with my third kid 
so try being pregnant and have depression, like clinical depression. It was horrible. Oh, wow. Um, you know, like, so I lost myself many times and I think God knew I needed that young because then as I went through my chaotic adulthood, it was like when things got really bad, he could remind me of that conversation and mm-hmm. I had something to pull back to, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's like an yeah. anchor point for you. A hundred percent. I yeah. love that. Okay. So let's get about, talk about your chaotic adulthood now. What, what <laughs> you said, anxiety, depression, postpartum, what, uh-huh. what was going on for you? What was that like? Well, I got married at 18, like a lot of young girls <laughs> and I got married at 18 and I didn't know who I, I knew who I was, but you don't know who you are. Right. We're just talking about that. Like mm-hmm. you don't know who you are. And, um, I got lost. We, we bought a house right away, which put us in massive debt. My husband was going to school and working full-time and traveling. So he was never home. We only had one car. So I was stuck. You know, we started having kids right away. So here I am with two babies under the age of three and no car. And it's Utah. So it was winter and cold. And I was just stuck everywhere, emotionally, physically, you know, I was just stuck. There's nothing I could do. We were so broke with $30 a week budget, which you couldn't even do now. It's not even possible. Right. But back then, honestly, it wasn't really possible either, but we had a lot of pasta. And so just life was so hard and I lost myself and I had this cute friend and she said, Hey, Bridget, would you like to come to a class in my basement? Which maybe should have freaked me out, (laughs) but I was desperate, right? I was like, anything, anything. And for connection, for getting outside of this household for anything. And so I went and actually it was one of those, again, moments that changed my life. It was on mindset and the power of the language of like positivity and hope and faith and joy versus discouragement and lack of faith and anger. And really the teacher led us through the scriptures and showed us different examples of this and then taught us how our brains worked and how we had the same conversations happening in our brain and that we had the power to tune into that and change it. And that really was the foundation of the strong, I didn't, again, didn't know it, but that was starting a journey for me because then I spent the next 20 years like, well, what is mindset and how does that work? And how does that interact with our spirituality and how do all these things play together? And, and so, yeah. Every time I lost myself, I had the tools to find myself again between knowing who I was, right? My divine identity and now these mindset spiritual tools. So yeah, I don't know. This is a long answer I'm giving you, but this was the journey, right? Like it's been up and down. And, and I think this happens a lot. I was explaining this to a client the other day, we're talking about identity versus divine identity. And she said, well, explain this. What is a spiritual identity? Because she's a spiritual person, but not in a specific religion. And I said, well, your identity is kind of like a Picasso painting. (laughs) It's all the pieces of you. Maybe you're a mom, maybe you're a career woman, maybe you're both, maybe you've had depression, maybe you're not, maybe you're a singer, whatever it is, there are pieces of you that make up the shape of you. And they're not all equal and they're kind of moving around. So I, like, you know, Picasso, his pictures are a little like off kilter. They're cool and they're fascinating, but they're all a little off kilter. Mm-hmm. So your divine identity is what's behind all that noise. It's the foundation of who you actually are. And so instead of a Picasso painting, I picture myself or you 
in your fullest, most beautiful self, right? Shining brightly, just joy radiating. And all those pieces of your identity, like from the world, your jobs, your circumstances, those are like what make up your dress, but they're not who you are. And there's a difference. And that dress changes all the time, but it's not who you are. So I think knowing your divine identity, that's really what has pulled me through the things. Yeah. I think that's huge too. That's been a massive piece in my journey as well. I remember when I was a young mom, different maybe experience than yours, but I was barely 20 when I got married. So I like my first baby was born at 21. Like then we had five, er, we had five kids in 10 years. Like it was a whirlwind. Right. And Mm -hmm. I was drowning. I was drowning in those early years. And I went to a BYU women's conference where Sherry Dew was the keynote speaker. And she spoke about knowing who you are and who you have always been. And I don't know if you've read that talk, but it is incredible. I feel like she was talking just to me. Like, she's like, this is who you have always been. Like before you came to earth, you were the same person. Like you said, it's not the the clothes. It's not the pieces. It's who you are underneath all of that. Mm -hmm. And that was the beginning of a life-changing journey for me. So I think that is massive, massive player. Um, So I love that that's what one of the things that anchors you is just understanding that. I wish everyone could. I wish we could just like hand that to them. But it's such a mm-hmm. journey. Every individual has to figure that out for themselves. But I can totally relate to that, that piece of identity. So in your in the prep work for this episode, you mentioned that you lost your sister a few years mm-hmm. ago. And that kind of threw you for a loop. So can you tell us a little bit about what happened and, and your journey with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talk about losing your identity. This is this is like the whopper for me. <laughs> um, so about eight years ago, we're at family dinner. As I mentioned, I'm the oldest of seven. And so it's kind of like Whoville at my house. And Whoville. probably a lot of people can picture this, like decorations everywhere, loud music, lots of kids <laughs> running around, long tables, and lots of food, right? Uh-huh. So it, it's a little wild. But in the middle of dinner, we got a phone call um, from my sister's care center. My sister has epilepsy and is deaf and in a wheelchair. And so that Christmas, she couldn't come home because taking care of her is is a massive effort, right? She's 18 months younger than me. So Mm -hmm. massive effort. And we get a call from her care center letting us know that she had aspirated and was not doing well. And they were taking her to the hospital and they thought she had pneumonia. And so, you know, my mom dropped her fork literally packed a bag and went and within a couple of days let us know that she was not doing well and it didn't look good long term and that we needed to come and be with her if we wanted to spend time with her before she passed away which of course we did so aubrey just a little side note aubrey is my sister aubrey is the person that when you go to disneyland she laughs on all of the big crazy rides and then cried on the carousel because she did not want to be wasting her time <laughs> on the carousel. She wouldn't be on the roller coaster dang it. At least right. she was she was wild and she hated the color pink and loved primary colors because they were loud and and brash. And she would do things like again, she's in a wheelchair, but she would take her little one arm and wheel over to the kitchen and open the drawers and empty all the drawers because she knew we would have to pick them up and that she didn't have to, there's nothing she could do. She couldn't pick them up. So then my mom would get after us, Hey, clean up the kitchen. Aubrey's made a mess. And she would laugh the whole time we're cleaning up. I mean, she, Aubrey's feisty and full of life and changed everyone she was around. And Aubrey was my best friend 
we were close in age. I just thought she was the coolest human on earth. And so I would take her to show and tell to show her off. Literally. Oh, that's so cute. I rode the bus with her every day, you know, on the, the wheelchair, the handicap bus. And like she is, was my best friend straight up. So the drive up there was a long drive. And I spent the next week in the hospital with her watching her body deteriorate from the inside out and knowing that this was the end of my time with her on this earth. And it was heartbreaking and it destroyed me and, and death is nothing like the movies. And so you can't be prepared for it. There's nothing that you can prepare you for this. And I sat by her and, and the night that she got ready to pass away, she started to get scared and that freaked me out because we have a faith and a belief and what happens in the next life. And like, why is she so scared? Cause we were very aware of other presences in the room and it was a very spiritual experience, but then she got scared and I was so scared because she was scared. And I thought, what are you scared of Aubrey? And the thought came to me, she's scared to leave you. It has nothing to do with what's next. She's scared of leaving you and what will do to you. And in that moment, I knew, and I don't usually get to talk about this when I share the story, but I knew I had promised her at some point that I would be, be here for helping her and holding her hand through the veil. I knew that we had made that promise to each other that somehow, I don't know, the previous life or this one, but it had happened. And that this is where I was meant to be is by her holding her hand through this moment. And I wanted to comfort her and I didn't know what to say. And the words that came into my mind and that I ended up saying were, Aubrey, you are strong and capable and it's okay to let go. We love you. We will always love you, but it's okay to let go. And I just said that again and again, you are strong and capable. It's okay to let go. And she passed away and um, I lost myself without her. There was no purpose. I was so much of my identity was wrapped up in her and loving her and cheering her on and seeing her through surgeries and helping her find the right care center home and then taking my kids to see her at that home. So much of who I was, was her. And with her gone, I, I was lost and I sought the right places, right? Like I read my scriptures, I go to the temple, I go to church. Because I kept waiting for those experiences. You hear of people who have these amazing spiritual experiences where they, you know, see them or feel them or they read these special words and they know their person's there. And it didn't matter where I went. I couldn't feel Aubrey. She was just gone. And it was heartbreaking. And it made me question everything I believed, which I hated mm-hmm. and didn't know how to process And I remember sitting in church one day, it was a state conference and there was a guy up there speaking. And I remember looking at him and saying, I don't care. (laughs) I don't care what you say. I don't know if any of it's true because I've tried everything and she's just gone. And if this was true, that wouldn't be the case. And I really struggled and I was ready to give it all up because I had been depressed for so many months now that my family was hurting the house was falling apart. It wasn't doing well in any of the jobs that I currently had. Nothing was working. And I just didn't even want to get out of bed most days. And so I was good. I was like, you know what? Everyone will be better without me. I'll just let go. 
And in that moment that I was totally at peace with letting go that I had made my choice, I felt her hands on my shoulder and she said, Bridget, you are strong and capable. Get up and go to work. And she said it three times. You are strong and capable. Get up and go to work. And I cried, obviously, like I'm crying now. And I remember looking around the the church thinking no one else felt this crazy thing that just happened. And um, then I had to figure out what that means. What the heck does it mean to be strong and capable? What work am I doing? What am I even supposed to be here for? And I spent now the next and the last eight years figuring that out. Who am I and what am I meant to do in this earth? And then how do I help other people figure that out as well? Which is what the strong and capable has become is helping people know who they are, where they're going and how to get there. Wow. Well, that gives so much more meaning to the strong and capable. I knew that was the name of your podcast and the what, the work you're doing and you're wearing it on your shirt right now. Mm-hmm. But that's so cool. That was like a you said it to her and then she said it to you later. Mm-hmm. Like that's. That's amazing. That is amazing. So how did that transform your faith, that experience? You said you were, you were, you felt like you were drowning. You were ready to give it all up. Mm -hmm. How did your faith change from that moment forward? Well, when you question everything and then you have the confirmation that all your questioning was wrong, was not wrong, but the incorrect like it was, it's not for bad. I don't think to question or seek. I'm a seeker. I love to understand. I agree. Yeah. But when you have that in your face, Hey, you are seen and known and you can no longer deny that that changes how you approach your faith. Yeah. And one of the things I've learned is if I'm seeking that constantly to be seen and known and telling God, I need to be seen and known because I am confused or lost. And when I pray now, I don't, I'm never pretty prayer. I'm not, I don't know how to do that. It's very honest and very raw and God, like literally some of my personal God, I know that I'm supposed to have faith, but I'm struggling and I don't, I need some, I need to understand. I need to know I'm seen and I, I do it unapologetically now. And it's from my heart fully. And I time after time, after time, I'm allowed to be seen because I'm seeking it and asking for it. And so my faith has totally changed where it's very raw and very real. And there's no more trying to be pretty about it or trying to make it look a certain way. I I, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. I need to know who I am. I need to know what God expects of me so that I can raise the family I want to raise. And I mean, I've already started crying. So I might as well cry. Like raising families is hard. Yeah. You know? It's hard. And these kids are facing a lot of hard things and I need God with me in that. And I can't do that if I'm pretending like it's okay Mm. all the time. Mm. He can't be with me when I am lying. God knows. Right. Right. That's a powerful thought. I love how you said that you pray to be seen. I'm just trying to process that to pray, to be seen and known and understood. Um, and how you say it doesn't, you, you can just be messy. I agree with that. That's how my prayers are too. I'm just like, you already know, like, I don't, I don't need to put a bow on this for you, you know? <laughs> and it does for me and probably for you, based on what you said, feels not so forced at that point, prayer. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it feels more like, okay, I don't, I'm, I don't need to use pretty language, the mm -hmm. thine thou, like, no, like, it's just messy. It's just me. And I feel like he meets me there more, yeah. more. more. Yes. yes. In fact, the strong and capable, this is the craziest one. I was literally praying. I was like, God, I don't know if I'm seen. I don't know if I'm on the right path. I've had some wild experiences. I keep calling them my Abrahamic moments where the Lord prompts me to do these really crazy, uncomfortable things. I'm like, really? We're doing that? Okay. Because okay. I always do what I'm prompted, but it's not pretty. And, I can relate. and then, I, then I get up to the moment and he's like, never mind. I have to do it. I'm like, for real? <laughs> that was intense. So I keep having these, these moments. And a few weeks before conference, I was like, you know, God, I just... I don't know if maybe I've lost my mind. Maybe you're not actually calling me to these moments. Maybe I'm just making them up and having these crazy moments for no reason. And as soon as conference started, I started getting texts from people. Have you seen the new um, For Strength of You? Have you seen the new For Strength of You? Have you seen it? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, I didn't know. So they start sending me screenshots and it says in there, sometimes you may not feel strong and capable when you don't turn to Jesus Christ. Oh, and I was just validating. like, yeah. I feel very seen. Thank you. Thank you. I'm good. That is amazing. It's so cool how the Lord just shows up in the moments of our lives. I don't know how yeah. to explain it. It's just he's there in, in just the right way, in just the right moments that we know that we can't deny that it's him. You if know? you're open to it. If, if you're, you're open, open to, to it. it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you you have to be open to it. But wow. Wow. In your application, you said something that was really profound. And I'm going to quote you because I think it's so good. You said imperfect is still perfect when the heart is in alignment with God. Can you do you want to elaborate on that? I thought it was so beautiful. But I, I want to hear you explain where you're coming from with that statement. Like which story to tell? So many, so many <laughs> of where God has shown me this. So I have this sign behind me. It says walk sacred. And it's, I'm so thankful I put it behind me because now I stare at it every single Zoom meeting I ever do, yeah. but, or a podcast interview or any of it. But when I was starting my podcast, I felt very called to help people love themselves. Like there is not in the way the world's saying, not, don't go get your nails done. I mean, get your nails done if you want, but that's not about loving yourself. That's about maybe taking care of yourself or having confidence, but like love yourself, love the person in the mirror. And so I, so much so that I started a podcast, right? And my husband actually challenged me to do it. And I was like, okay. So my heart cracked open and all the inspiration came and I knew I needed to do it. So I'm sitting in my closet and I'm trying to record this podcast because a closet is a great place to do that. There's, you know, all these clothes and they're a great sound buffer. And I didn't have any fancy equipment back then, just my little iPhone. And I'm sitting in my closet and I'm recording this message and then deleting it. And then I'm recording it and then I'm deleting it because I felt so stupid talking to myself. Who will listen? I actually hate the sound of my voice. So who's going to enjoy this? Can anyone even say my name? Right. Which is proven. No, most people cannot say my name. <laughs> I couldn't until you told <laughs> me how. <laughs> like, it's just a thing. Like, I've got to be okay with that. Like, so I had all these doubts. And, and then if people listen, will they listen out of pity or will they actually get something out of it? Right. All these things were coming up for me to the point where I was very frustrated. And as I already mentioned, I talk with God very brashly. <laughs> I was like, Lord, what the heck? I felt so called to this. 
and I can't even get one episode out. I can't even get 15 minutes done here. I feel so stupid sitting in my closet and I'm just scared of what's going to happen. And the answer came back in those little thoughts in your head, right? Switch the two letters. What the heck? That's the weirdest answer I've ever gotten. Switch the two letters. Scared is S-C-A-R-E-D. Switch the two letters to S-A-C-R-E-D, sacred. Because when you are scared, but you choose to step forward anyway, you are stepping onto transformational ground and transformational ground is sacred. Wow. I was like, oh, okay. And that's when God taught me that imperfect is perfect, that he can make amazing things happen when I'm scared and I just choose to step forward anyway, that he makes that sacred ground. Hmm. I love that so much. I can relate to just about everything you just said, being a podcaster, mm -hmm. knowing, not knowing what I'm doing, just stepping out into the darkness so many times. And then oftentimes like totally making a mess of it and having to go back and be like, what was the point of all of that? It did not go the way that I thought it would. Mm -hmm. And the Lord is, is kind to remind me often, none of that was wasted. Even if it yeah. doesn't turn out the way you think it should, it's not wasted. Look at what you've learned. Look at how you've mm -hmm. grown. It may not be the result that you thought, but this is part of the journey for you. And thinking about that, walk sacred. I love that so much. I think I need that poster on my wall now. <laughs> it's going to be on the website in the next couple of weeks. I'm redoing the website. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I will have to get myself a copy. I like, I, oh, that's so good. So good. Okay. I have one last question for you, Bridgette, and okay. it is, what does standing with the Savior mean to you? You know, standing with the Savior to me means something way different than it did 20 years ago, right? Standing with the Savior 20 years ago, I felt like I had to be like, I am a Mormon girl because that's what I was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I don't smoke or drink or, you know, it was like these pieces of my identity. And standing with the Savior now is so much cooler and stronger and braver than that version. Because standing with the Savior now is having radical accountability for myself and my actions and what I'm doing, and then making sure that it reflects who I know I should be, which is like the Savior. And standing with the Savior now means loving, even when it's hard to love, and forgiving when I don't want to, and walking sacred when I'm scared out of my mind. Standing with the Savior is choosing light and hope in a world that is chaotic and dark. And it, it's more powerful and it feels better. It's also harder, but I love it. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Rosa, you're just a light. Thank you for being here, for sharing your story, for sharing your light. Um, I know it's going to help so many women who maybe can relate and maybe can't relate. I think sometimes we could learn a lot from people we who have different experiences than us. So thank you for being willing mm -hmm. to share yours. And can you just tell people where they can find you, connect with you? Yeah. yeah. Um, my Instagram is Bridget.Heller, B-R-I-G-E-T-T-E dot Heller, H-E-L-L-E-R. Um, and the website is thestrongandcapable.com. So if you're like, I can't spell Bridget.Heller, of course, it's on there on the website. And thestrongandcapable.com is pretty easy to remember. Um, 
yeah, so those are the two big places that people can find me. And I'm always changing the website and adding new classes or, or different things and have big stuff coming up. So I, it's going to be a lot of fun in the next few months. Awesome. I will link all of that in the show notes so you don't have to spell anything. Just click in the show notes and you'll be able to, <laughs> you'll be able to find her. Well, thank you again, Bridgette. It's been a joy to talk to you today. You too. Thank you for having me. All right, my friends, did you love that interview with Brichette as much as I did? I especially loved her thoughts on walking sacred. There are so many times in our lives where, at least for me, I feel prompted to do something that is terrifying. I know I need to do that thing and I don't want to do it. I love the thought of stepping onto sacred ground when we do something, even though we are scared to do it, that God meets us there and that ground is transformational and therefore sacred. That thought is one I want to hold onto forever. So let's walk sacred, my friends. Let's do the things that we feel called to do. Let's step into fear with faith that God will meet us there and transform that ground. Let's walk sacred, my friends, and together let's stand. I will see you back here again next week. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, Find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepard, that's two N's, two P's, and an A-R-D, or at LynetteShepard.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again, and remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.